Hello, everyone, and welcome to our podcast. This is Pastor Mike with the Aliante Community Baptist Church. We invite you, your family, and friends to join us as we study God's Word. So, let's begin.
Yeah, thank you so much, Ms. Ginger. You know, most of the people don't realize, unless you've actually played an instrument um, or you know been involved in the music, singing, or the amount of time that it has to be spent in practice. Just the amount of time that has to be spent in practice. And uh, Miss Ginger practices every day, okay? Uh, you may not know that, but she, she practices every day, every day. And uh, <laughs> she's, she's a taskmaster too. She had me over there yesterday and she worked me for two hours. <laughs> you know, when I left her house, I thought, so, I was so tired. <laughs> I got in the car and, I, and, and you know what? I turned the car on and, and I saw the, the, the clock. I said, Man, that was two hours. No wonder. <laughs> but uh, so we, we appreciate you, Miss Ginger, and we thank you for that. Amen. Let's give her a hand. <laughs> I'd like you to turn in your Bibles uh, this morning. Well, before you turn there, before you turn there, if I were to ask you, what is contained in the book of Job? Now, we've been studying Job, right, J-O-B, in, uh, in Sunday school. But what about the book of Joel, J-O-E-L? If someone were to ask you, well, what is in the book of Joel? Would you be able to tell them? Are you familiar with it? And uh, this uh, past week, uh, you know, I was thinking, well, what should we, uh, what should we preach on? And, and of course, I'm having that, you know, discussion with with the Lord. And I was thinking, well, it, it, it would be an effective message to preach about the different personalities from the Old Testament because there are so many, so many people in the Old Testament from the Jewish history that have all of these different events in their lives that teach about faith and, and faithfulness and, and God's grace and his, his compassion and also the struggles of life that are common to every individual. And so I was thinking, you know, well, you know, Joseph, yeah, Joseph, uh, you know, his life and what he went through. And I thought about, well, about Abraham. And so then I, I specifically prayed and said, okay, Lord, you know, where should I go? And boom, Joel. It's like that Joel. And I'm, I was, you know, caught off guard. Joel. Joel? <laughs> Joel. And so and I thought, well, maybe we'll do that on a Wednesday. <laughs> you know? But uh, as I continued to pray and think and kind of, you know, reflect back and forth, it was like, well, I said, no, Joel. We preach from Joel. So then, of course, I'm studying the book of Joel. I'm thinking, how am I going to preach this, this, this message and teach this message of Joel? Well, I tell you, I learned a lot. So turn there to the book of Joel. And uh, I would encourage you to, to read, the whole, read the whole book. It's just a little book. 
But oh, it's a powerful book. It is a powerful, powerful book. So we're going to spend some time on the book of, of Joel, probably over the next couple, two, three weeks. The Lord's message of hope, and I, I found it interesting that our, our Sunday school lesson this morning was also on hope. You know that uh, the experience of Job and all that he went through, and yet, yes, in the midst of all of that pain and misery and struggle and despair, anger, all of that, that that Job experienced, yet there was still hope. And God's people are to be people of hope because our hope is God himself. Amen? God himself. And so by way of, of introduction, because we're, we're actually going to look at the at uh, first portion of the uh, a little section in, in, in the second chapter. But by way of introduction, really the, the first chapter of, of Job. And in this first section, he, he asks a question. Has anything like this happened in your days? And as I studied the, the book of, of Job, And then I began to think about what we have just gone through. Not just here in the United States, but around the world. Amen. Around the world. Now I want, to, I want to, to, to read a quote to you that is just so right on target with respect to, uh, with respect to Joel, the book of Joel and what we have just experienced, and other things that we may experience in our lives. This comes from the uh, New American uh, Commentary. The book of Joel never views disaster as only a natural event or as an accident. All things are under God's control, and more specifically, relate to God's larger purposes for the world and Israel. As such, Joel contributes to our understanding of the problem of theodicy. In particular, Joel enables us to see that while disasters can be very painful and are a legitimate reason for mourning and for grieving, they are always within the plan of God. There is ample reason to seek for grace. By grace, we remain in a state of repentance, and by grace, we discern the larger plans for good behind our temporary setbacks and hardships. The book of Joel. And so I ask you the question, as Joel asked the question, with respect to the pandemic. Has anything like that happened in your lifetime where the entire world, where all of the countries of the world shut down and went into a, a panic mode? Did you ever experience that? Now I hear some scratching somewhere. Is there some scratching going on? 
Okay. All right. All right. But consider what we've just been through. Look at what we've just been through. This pandemic. Now there are all kinds of things out there. And it might be surprising, it might be alarming to you, but most of the experts, and the experts I'm referring to are the actual microbiologists. And those who actually do research in microbiology, they say that, that more than likely, as a result of what is called gain-of-function research. Gain-of-function research is where, is where the, the researchers take a virus and they increase the rapidity with which it develops in an effort to come up with a means whereby to neutralize that. However, it's very dangerous because what can happen is if someone gets infected, the rapidity or the, how it accelerates and grows is off the charts. And that's what happened with COVID-19. Now, the reason that so many in the U.S. are trying to, to hide that is because it may be alarming to you that our country actually funds the Wuhan lab in China. You see, and that's alarming to people. And so they say, well, it, 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 you know, this, 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 this pandemic okay, was a naturally occurring event. No. But here's, here's the bottom line. God allowed it to happen. Stop for a moment and let that think, okay, think about that. Let that sink in. Do you think that any of that caught God by surprise? Even if it was an accident. What did I just read to you? Even what we consider to be accidents. God knows everything before it occurs. God knows it all. And God is speaking to us, and not just to us, but to every person who lives on the face of the earth. Everything, everything is under the sovereignty of God. Everything and everyone. And Joel asked them this question. You see, because in, in Joel's lifetime, there was a locust epidemic, swarm, swarms and swarms and swarms of locusts that had invaded Jerusalem. They had eaten everything, the crops were destroyed, widespread infestation, and the people were on the verge of starvation. And Job, Joel recognized the hand of God. You say, well, how so? How so? Well, let's read, we'll read a portion of the first chapter. 
says, The word of the Lord, verse 1. The word of the Lord that came to Joel, the son of Bethuel. Hear this, you elders, and give ear, all you inhabitants of the land. Has anything like this happened in your days, or even in the days of your fathers? Tell your children about it. Let your children tell their children, and their children another generation. What the chewing locust left, the swarming locust has eaten. What the swarming locust left, the crawling locust has eaten. And what the crawling locust left, the consuming locust has eaten. Awake, you drunkards, and weep. And he points out the drunkards. Why? Because the locusts ate all the vineyards so there were no more grapes, so they couldn't have any wine to drink. <laughs> and wail, you drinkers of wine, because of the new wine, for it has been cut off from your mouth. For a nation has come up against my land, strong and without number. His teeth are like the teeth of a lion, and he has the fangs of a fierce lion. He has laid waste my vine and ruined my fig tree. He has stripped it bare and thrown it away. Its branches are made white. Lament like a virgin, girded with sackcloth for the husband of her youth. In other words, a young woman who is betrothed, but before the marriage could be consummated, her young husband was killed. And of course, the, the chapter goes on and on, and he, de he describes this, this devastation that was the result of this infestation of locusts. Wave after wave after wave after wave of locust swarms. Now, swarms of locusts aren't anything new to the Middle East. As a matter of fact, in one of the articles in the National Geographic, A, a, an infestation that happened in the early 1900s, they, they put the number of locusts at 24 plus billion with a B. Billion with a B. And of all places, that was in Israel, in the land of Israel, in the early 1900s. But Joel here, he says, this is the hand of the Lord. Now Joel, we know very little about Joel. Some scholars think he was a priest because of his familiarity with all of the, the uh, temple rites, etc. While others say, well no, he was probably a farmer called to become a, a prophet, but he was, he was referred to as a, a, as a temple prophet. Well we know that he's, he's a prophet. Whether, whether or not he was a priest, that we don't know. We also don't know the specific time in which he preached. Because he gives no indication of, of, of a king or, or who might have been king. But that's not, that's not the important point. The important point is the message. The message. And why did this locust infestation occur? Because he refers to it as the judgment of God. He, he even calls it the day of the Lord. The day of the Lord, because the day of the Lord is a day of judgment. The day of the Lord is, is a single event, but it's also an event that's made up of many events, because it covers God's plan for the ages. And here in this first chapter, as, as we read through the, the entire chapter, 
And what is so important about language in, in the scripture is remember that the Bible is, is not a Western piece of writing. It comes from the East, the Middle East, from Israel. And the language is very specific. In the first chapter, Joel uses what is referred to as the Hebrew perfect tense when he describes this locust infestation. And what that means is he's talking about an event that has already occurred and taken place. You follow? But with the understanding that, that the results continue. But beginning in the second chapter, he uses the Hebrew imperfect, which means it has not occurred yet, but is about to occur. You follow? That's how we know that the first chapter, he's discussing something that has already taken place. And in the second chapter and beyond, he's talking about that which is coming in the future. And so the message of a former and future judgment. Now, you know, people often get upset when you talk about God's judgment. And the prophets were no different. When they proclaim the messages of God's judgment, the people would generally become upset with them and want to put them aside. But I'd like you to turn, hold your place here in Joel, but, but turn to the book of Deuteronomy. Now, those of you who are coming on Wednesday nights, you know that we've uh, we had gone through the, uh, the book of Deuteronomy. But it's so easy to overlook some things. And so Deuteronomy chapter 28 and uh, verse 38. Now, in, in this, in this uh, chapter in the book of Deuteronomy, Moses, Moses here in the whole book of Deuteronomy, he's giving the law once again to the generation of Israelites who are about to enter into the promised land. He's reminding them. He's reminding them of the covenant that God has made with the Hebrews. And he talks about all of the wonderful blessings. But he also talks about the cursings. That is the judgment of God. If they fail to live according to the covenant made between God and his people. Beginning at verse 38, notice what he says here. You shall carry much seed out to the field, but gather little in. For the, and what does it say there? The locust shall consume it. You shall plant vineyards and tend them, but you shall neither drink of the wine nor gather the grapes, for the worms shall eat them. You shall have olive trees throughout all your territory, but you shall not anoint yourself with the oil, for your olives shall drop off. You shall beget sons and daughters, but they shall not be yours, for they shall go into captivity. Locusts shall consume all your trees and the produce of your land. And that whole chapter, we can go back to Joel now, but throughout that entire chapter in the book of, of Deuteronomy, there is a progression that occurs. And that progression includes a nation coming, a nation and nations coming into the land of Israel and then devastating it and carrying the people off. And why? 
Because God's people did not keep covenant. They did not cherish the relationship that God had with them and that they were to have with him. Joel says, has anything like this ever happened in your lifetime? Has anything ever happened like this in your father's lifetime? And so we ask you this question, has anything like this pandemic that we just went through in the entire world, has anything like this happened in our lifetime? Not in my lifetime. Where the entire country shuts down and where they actually pay people to stay home from work. Stop for a moment and think about that one. The relevance, the relevance of the, of the message, it's a message of, of, of judgment, but it's also a message of hope. As we'll see here, we get to it. So the message is to ancient Israel, to modern Israel today, and to Israel in the future. And you need to understand that Israel is the most important it is the single most important country, nation, in the world. It is the center of the earth. And it is from Israel that God proclaims the message of salvation. Our Savior comes from Israel. Uh, my son uh, shared with uh, with us yesterday, this, this wonderful story about Shaquille O'Neal. <laughs> Shaquille O'Neal has uh, done quite well for himself. But he learned of this, uh, of this boy, who is a rather large boy, with uh, size 19 shoes. Can you imagine that? 19, boy. <laughs> that was a boat, all right? And he, he, he empathized with the boy because he himself had a large, large foot or large feet. And he said but he, his mother could only afford one pair of shoes when he was a, a kid. And so now that he's, he's well off, you know, he's, he's got lots of pairs of shoes. So he took this boy to this, this shoe store where this little Jewish man was the cobbler. And the reason that he took him there was because when, when Shaquille was a boy, he went there and the Jewish man made him this custom pair of shoes and gave them to him. And he never forgot that kindness that this man. So all of his shoes he buys from this Jewish man at this little you know, shoe store. But he took this boy in there and he, and he bought him all the shoes. Do you know how much the, the bill was? $20,000. He said, I want you to buy 20 pairs of shoes because you're going to need shoes as you get older. <laughs> Why don't you hear about those stories in the news? You follow? Or how about like Samaritan's Purse? Do you hear much about that in the news? No. No, you don't. But Israel, 
Israel. God uses the nation of Israel to bring salvation to the human race. It is from Israel that our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, has come. He is Israel. Our Savior. The message of Joel is relevant for ancient Israel, for modern-day Israel, and for Israel future. Because guess what? And we've mentioned this many times. Israel is the capital of God's kingdom. And Jerusalem is the city of the king. That is where Jesus will establish his throne. When the Messiah returns, it is there in Jerusalem. And we, fortunately, have been adopted into the family of God. We should never be arrogant. Oh, we're, we're Christian. We're rather humble, recognizing that we're adopted. We've been adopted, the scripture says, into the family of God. The, the locust left devastation. But let's move on to the second, the second point. Chapter 2. Blow the trumpet in Zion. Chapter 2, verse 1. Blow the trumpet in Zion and sound an alarm in my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble, for the day of the Lord is coming, for it is at hand. A day of darkness and gloominess, a day of clouds and thick darkness, like the morning clouds spread over the mountains. A people come great and strong the like of whom has never been, nor will there ever be any such after them. Even for many successive generations, a fire devours before them, and behind them a flame burns. The land is like the Garden of Eden before them, and behind them a desolate wilderness. Surely nothing shall escape. Their appearance is like the appearance of horses, and like swift steeds, so they run. With a noise like chariots, over mountaintops they leap. Like the noise of a flaming fire that devours the stubble. Like a strong people set in battle array. Before them the people writhe in pain. All faces are drained of color. They run like mighty men. They climb the wall like men of war. Everyone marches in formation. They do not break ranks. They do not push one another. Everyone marches in his own column. Though they lunge between the weapons, they are not cut down. They run to and fro in the city. They run on the wall. They climb into the houses. They enter at the windows like a thief. The earth quakes before them. The heavens tremble. The sun and moon grow dark, and the stars diminish their brightness. The Lord gives voice before his army, for his camp is very great. For strong is the one who executes his word, for the day of the Lord is great and very terrible. Who can endure it? One morning I was getting ready when I was still working at uh, school. And I was down the hall getting ready. I was, I was shaving. And uh, Cheryl came down the hall and she said, Mike, Mike, they're, they're saying on TV that, that the, the U.S. is under attack. I thought, what? Sure enough, walk down the hall, TV on, and this tower was on fire. Lo and behold, 
They'd flown a plane into the tower. And you know, all the commotion and everything that was going on. And, and while we were sitting there, and, and you, you could hear the announcers saying, oh, oh wait a minute, it, it, it appears that a second plane. And as we sat there, we saw this second plane fly into the second tower. And then, you know, the, the pitch and, and the voices, and, and, and we're now getting word that a, that a third plane has struck the Pentagon. And then, of course, a fourth plane that was en route to, to the White House. And some brave souls on that plane took control, and it went down there in, in Pennsylvania. And here in September 11th, 2021, we remember just two short decades ago, not that long ago, but I tell you, some people have forgotten. Do you know that in the, in the, the, the six months after that attack on our country, that the churches were filled to overflow all across the country? People were, were worried. Now, that was a good thing that they, they, they sought out God. That's a good thing. That's a, that's a positive. But it only lasted for about six, eight, nine months. And after the year, the, the attendance began to, to wane. 20 years has gone by. Doesn't it seem like just the other day? 20 years. Now, in that same chapter, that 28th chapter in the book of Deuteronomy, locusts are part of God's judgment upon Israel. But we mentioned, he also says that they'll be under attack by other armies, by other people. Something that we thought would never happen. But it was an impossibility because we sit between the two oceans. Right? That our defenses are such that, that an attack on the mainland just would not occur. Not to the U.S. At our mighty military. Yes? That's what the, that's what the position was. Do you think that that attack caught God by surprise? Do you think that God could have thwarted that attack? Stop for a moment and think that through. And what about all the attacks that are occurring now? With that uh, gas pipeline that was hacked and then the, and now the food, right? Um, this meat, uh, uh, provider and such, all of the hacks and all of the things that are occurring. And then consider our own citizens who live in this country and what is going on and the unrest and the division. Now, he says, blow the trumpet. Blow the trumpet. In ancient times, the trumpet served a very important purpose. The trumpet blast could warn of, of an attack, but it could also be used to call the people to worship. There were different melodies, if you will. So for war, there was this long blast. The people automatically knew 
and attack was imminent. But these short, short little blasts or blows on the, on the trumpet, the calling of the people to worship. Now, many of you have been in the service, so you know what it's like to be on guard duty. <laughs> right? You're supposed to be vigilant, looking out for any intruders. As a matter of fact, there's even a post. It's referred to as a listening post. And the name implies what that person is supposed to do. They're supposed to sit and listen. What are they listening for? They're listening for an intruder or intruders so that their unit can be informed of a possible attack. And oftentimes, guys fall asleep on guard duty. With deadly consequences. God's people are not to be asleep. In other words, yeah, you've got all these people, they, they call themselves woke. They're woke. God's people are supposed to be awake, alert, vigilant, engaged. It's a warning of judgment. This message and God's message throughout the scripture is a warning of judgment. Judgment day is coming. 30 years ago, I can remember preaching messages where I said, it may be alarming and surprising to you, but one day... They're going to legalize same-sex marriage here in the United States. People thought I was nuts. And what do you have today? And how has the country progressed since that attack on 9-11-2001? The morals in our country are worse than they've ever been. And do you think that the country can continue down this road without experiencing the judgment of God? God will hold us accountable. God's people. The Bible says judgment begins in the household of God. And the nation of Israel is our example. Our example. God's lesson to us and to the rest of humanity. Make no mistake about it, God is in control. There's a warning. And this judgment that he describes will result in complete devastation. The day of the Lord will come. Well, we're going to turn to this last, to this last page here. But we'll make it our last page, point three, very quickly, but we'll, we'll expand on it next Sunday. Verse 12. Now, therefore, says the Lord, turn to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning. So rend your heart and not your guard. God says, Wake up and recognize that he is on the throne. That all things, he is sovereign over all things and all nations and all people. And nothing like what has happened here in this past year escapes his attention. God is speaking. 
Israel is God's timepiece. Israel is back in the land. The scripture teaches that as we, as we reach the latter days, God will draw his people, and he's talking about Israel, that he will draw them from the four corners of the world and take them back to Israel. We say we live in the latter days, how do we know? Israel is there, and the people are there. When we get to the third chapter in the book of, of, of this book, you know what we're going to read? We're going to read where God holds every country accountable for what they have done to Israel, how that they have gone in and divided up their land, land that does not belong to the nations, but belongs to Israel. It belongs not to the Palestinians, nor to the Arabs. It belongs to Israel, because God gave it to them. And it is theirs eternally. And anyone, any president, any congressman or woman or nation that thinks that they have the right or the authority to go in and to divide up their land, guess what? They will be judged. That is what the Word of God says. I didn't write it, but we'll read it. You can read it in advance. Chapter 3. And so... We're going to sing a hymn of invitation. So what does this message have to do with me? Oh, it has a lot to do with us. It has a tremendous amount to do with us. What kind of lives are we to be living? What kind of example are we to be? We're to be people who live in right relationship with God and with one another, and we are to call out what is wrong, what is evil. We are to stand up for what is righteous and honoring to God. Let's stand, please. We pray that you have been blessed by today's lessons from God's Word, and we invite you to contact us with any questions that you may have, especially questions regarding your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. We want to help you with your walk of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and with your understanding of His Holy Word, the Bible. Our contact information is listed in the podcast show notes. May God richly bless you.